Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Vineyard Community Church. And, and we're going to um, start a new part of a series today um, that I'm calling Being. And it's part of our One More series. And uh, it, it ties into some of the stuff we talked about last week. But before we hop right in, I thought I'd share some deep thoughts I've had uh, lately at 50 uh, that I'm 50 now, and I thought you might enjoy some of these. Um, uh, here's here's one of these deep thoughts. Was learning cursive really necessary? This is something I've been thinking about. They told me I was going to use it when I was a kid, and uh, not so much. So just a thought. Uh, can we uh, agree just to ignore whatever comes out after Blu-ray? I think that uh, that would be a good thing, because I'm tired of them keep coming out with different stuff and having to go buy those things all over. Here's another thought. Uh, I think the freezer deserves a light as well. Anybody else ever think like that? Refrigerator's got a light. Microwave's got a light. Why is the freezer with no light? Like you can't... Anyway, just a thought. I have, I have a hard time deciphering the fine line between boredom and hunger. Something I've realized at 50. <laughs> I... I this is something else at 50. How many times is it appropriate to say what before you just nod and smile because you didn't hear or understand a word that was said? <laughs> Anybody relate to that? What? what? Oh, yeah. Okay. Even under ideal conditions, people have trouble locating their car keys in a pocket or finding their cell phones or finding their house key. But everyone can find... Uh, and push the snooze button from about three feet away, first time, every time. You ever thought about that? All right, ben. Those are some thoughts. They don't mean anything. I just thought I'd run them by you. We did a free car, uh, free uh, soda giveaway today. We had a, we had a lot of fun. Another free event that we we like to do, and we just give people either, uh, you know, and they were ice cold Pepsi's or Diet Pepsi. You're getting the remnants. Uh, we're back there today. Uh, fun outreach. Those kind of outreaches are good. Um, it's, I, I get a kick out of it, though, because people are either really blessed and, and are just excited about it, and it's like we just really made their day. Some people will not have anything to do with us, and it fascinates me. And today we were actually walking up to a car, and the person in the car rolled up the window before we could get there. And a lot of people just won't look at it. It's just kind of funny, and you think... But anyway, the people that will talk to us uh, and then we get to minister to. That's a really cool thing. So we did that today. That was fun. We're doing the dollar car wash next Saturday across the street. Uh, inside your flyers, I'm not going to belabor the point. There's the stuff about the one more offering that I brought up last week. All I'm asking you to do is pray, and you do whatever God tells you with regard to that. Maybe it's just to pray for us as we continue to do these things. That's good. Also, um, praying for the events in Japan. And uh, we will respond in some way in the future. I don't know how yet, and I don't want to rush into doing stuff um, without checking it out. I'll let you know uh, if the vineyard does something uh, at a national level that we can tie into. If not, we'll find another way, and we'll figure out what to do in response to that. If you're looking to respond quicker, um, just make sure you check out whatever organization you go with, because unfortunately, scams always pop up right after a thing like this. So make sure it's a well-known organization if you decide you want to do something out front with uh, the people in Japan. We have, the vineyard has some stuff that goes on in Japan, and I'm not sure about the area, but what we would usually try and do is 
find out if we have something on the ground, and then go and bless that however we can for them to reach out to the people. Because there'll, there'll be, those of you who live here know this, there's phases of this stuff in recovery in after a disaster, and they need that initial phase, which is really handled very well by some neat organizations that got it, the, including our military and stuff. They'll get in there. Then there's a long-term opportunity, which is really the best time for the church to move in and do stuff. And uh, and if we can uh, figure out how to help with that response, we can go back maybe and rebuild some churches and uh, reach out to neighborhoods as we do that and feed some folks. That's great stuff. So I will let you know what opportunities arise, and we'll go in that direction. Okay. So this new series is called Being, and let me try and explain how we got there and what it's all about. In the last... Uh, Four or five weeks, we, we talked about our mission, um, which is one more. We have a hand sign. And our mission of one more, one more lost child back to dad, one more to Jesus, one more in the kingdom. Um, that's what we do. So if people were asking you, what's your church do? What's your church about? What's the mission of your church? You should know it. Oh, it's one more. And you can, you can quickly identify that. Um, we, we also touched on in those last three or four weeks, and we'll do touch on it obviously some more, um, how we do it, um, which is our method. And uh, I, we, we gave you an acronym for our method, which is we're a force and not a fortress. We're a frontline operation, caring, uh, reconciling, caring, and encouraging. And we talked about the fact we have a radical message, and we present it with radical hospitality and radical generosity. And we, we talked on that. We'll talk about that more as we go. But that's our method. Um, why we do it, we touched on, and that's what this message is going to, this series is going to do. We're going to broaden why we do it, which is our motivation. So we have our mission, we have our method, we have our motivation. And then there's another piece to this that we'll do after we're done with these, all right? But, but our motivation for this, and I talked about this, is love. Um, in in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, we saw that the reason we do it is that Christ's love compels us. And uh, we broadened that even at the time to talk about a love for God and a love for others. And that, that this is our motivation for everything that we do. Um, it's the motivation for our mission. If it's not the motivation for our mission, our mission will fail. So if it's not grounded in, in founded in love, it's just not going to work. Well, as we were talking about reaching out to the culture last week, I said that one of the problems that we face and why it's so important for us to go over the top with hospitality and generosity is that the culture has shifted in the last 50 years or so from, from a culture of being to a culture of having. And I reference that point by saying that in 1960, there was no public storage space in this country. And now, 50 years later, there's 2 billion square feet of it. And that um, this has come about because of this shift. And people believe, and, are, and everything has moved in that direction. We talked about it, that having is where life is. And in, in that's where you really find life. But it's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that life is found in being, being in relationship with God, being in relationship with others, loving God, loving others, that's where we find life. Not in the having, but in the being. Not picking on the having, having is fine, as long as it doesn't take the place of being. See, what you have ought to, ought to accentuate how you be. I know that's not good English, but I didn't know how else to say it at the time. All right? So, so that's how those things fit together. And so we, we have to take a look at this in, in, context of what it looks like. Now, um, in your notes, at the top of your notes, see the culture, 
um, believes that life is found in having, and that's all based on right circumstances. That'll be the first answer in your note. The, the, the culture has been reduced to right circumstances, that that's where they find life. Um, we've, we've in the past talked about that uh, as when and then thinking. That's the next couple of blanks. When and then thinking. And that's the kind of thinking that keeps you stuck in a trap that says, well, when this happens, then I'll be happy. When these events take place, then I'll be happy. When this thing happens, then I'll be happy. When I win the lottery, then I'll be happy. When, then, when, then, when, then. The problem is it never works. Because you're waiting for circumstances to find life. Circumstance, same place we get the word happenstance, say just that. They kind of happen, but you can't count on them. And there's no life found in them because they change. Circumstance changes like that. Biblically, we find life in being. And being is about right attitudes. It's not about right circumstances. It's about right attitudes. How you think at things, how you look at things, how you perceive things. What your attitude towards living is. And that's what allows us to find life, see, is right attitudes. And right attitudes are always about loving God and loving others. Because it's the heart of the whole thing. And Jesus records for us these amazing verses about having right attitudes, about loving God and loving others, in a part of a sermon. Uh, that's called the Sermon on the Mount, but, but a littler part of that, which is actually called the B attitudes. Kind of convenient that he called it, that it's been called that, huh? How we're supposed to be. What are the attitudes that we're supposed to have? Jesus actually lists them for us in Matthew 5. Pardon me, 3 through 12. Let's look at them beginning in verse 1, though, um, for tonight. And now when he saw the crowds, it says, uh, he went up on a mountainside. And sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, and here we go. Blessed, let me just say before I read the rest of them, you can keep them up there. Blessed uh, means happy. Um, it's, it's how the word, or, or um, fulfilled, or uh, well off. That's what that word blessed means, all right? So just remember that. Because some of it seems a little counterintuitive. That's why you have to explain it. Because that first one, even, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Those may not seem to make sense right off the bat. Well, happier people than mourn. How are they? Just hang in there. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Those are the Beatitudes. And I want to encourage you to uh, memorize those this week. Change that screen, guys, back to me. There we go. I want to encourage you to... Memorize these verses, and, and for this week, or for next week, let's uh, memorize Matthew 5, 3 and 4. 3 and 4. We won't shoot too many at you, but uh, I think it's a powerful thing to memorize Scripture. We had you do it a lot last year, or encouraged you to. Uh, I want you to, to get on board. You should know the Beatitudes, because life is found in being, 
and having right attitudes. Being is all about right attitudes. So if we know these, we can practice them and we'll see how quickly we sort of get out of step and, and it's when we start to lose life. And, and when we do that, we start to lose the joy that God wants us to have. So today I, I just want to concentrate on Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I, what we're going to talk about is what it means to be poor in spirit. Because I think that confuses people um, quite often. Um, it means that in order to find real life, we have to depend on God. It's about realizing that we don't have it all figured out, that we're not perfect, and that we have not arrived. It's, in essence, about humility. And, and that's what that first beatitude is all about. And the first attitude we really need to develop in, in just about everything in life is the idea of humility. Um, and, and, and so what I want to talk about in this verse is three things that humility does for us in loving God and loving others. What humility is all about with regard to our relationships. And so let's dig into... Uh, these three things. First one is this, that humility reduces stress. Humility reduces stress. We're always looking for stress reduction because this is a very stressful world that we live in. Part of the problem is our attitude towards it and because we haven't learned always how to walk in humility. And what humility does for us is that it helps me to, to realize that I don't have to have all the answers. Um, the world can actually turn without me. I don't have to stay tuned in to the cable news channel 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to uh, be on top of all the mess. Uh, it's not up to me to solve all the problems of the world. Um, you know what? I, I also don't have to have an opinion on everything. That's very freeing. Sometimes I just decide, you know what, I just don't really, who cares if I have an opinion on that subject, I think I'll just let it go. And, and it's like, oh, well, that's very freeing. All these people are all stressed out about their opinions, and I'm like, I'll just go with nothing right now. I don't see how it works for me, or, and why I should, and what do I gain from it. And it's very freeing. Um, I don't have to pretend that I have it all together. I can't tell you what a relief that is for me to be in the ministry and not have to act like I've got this all figured out. I, I don't, I couldn't, because I don't, I would hate to pretend that I do, and uh, that would just be a mess. Um, I don't have to play God and take on responsibility that's not mine. That's very freeing. Um, and, and I understand that I'm not in control. He is. Now, I fight against that sometimes, like we all do, we have control issues, but um, when we begin to understand that, that it's not all laying on us, and, and that we approach it in, in humility, which, which says, I, it's, 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 on, it's all about God. Not a, and, and it's his stuff that matters, not my stuff. Um, there's something very freeing in that and, and something that allows us to be. Because um, we don't have to be, like I said, just after it all the time. We don't have to stay tuned in. Like somehow, I've had periods in my life where I felt like that if I wasn't tuned into something that was going on in the world, it would all fall apart or something. I don't know if you ever felt that way, but I've had a, a couple of times where I'd find myself up all night watching the news about some events that were happening in another country, and it, 
You know the best thing that I can do in that situation? Pray. And then do what I'm supposed to do here. It's like, this is a big job. This is enough right here. Being thankful for five things and encouraging two people every day, that's plenty. You know? And so it's not, it's not that I don't care. It's just that it, I, my job is to pray. But I don't have to be consumed by it. Humility frees me to, to not have to carry so much. And it reduces stress, which is a huge deal in our relationship with God and others. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll make your path straight. If we trust Him, let go, realize it's about Him, He takes and takes it from there. Way less stressful than what we often move towards. Second thing that humility does is humility improves relationships. Humility improves. If you can walk in humility, your relationships will be much better than they are. Because um, what it does is it allows us to realize that it doesn't have to be all about me all the time. It's not me, me, me that helps me to find life. Or, or, and I don't have to ask the questions, what about me all the time? Um, which is, you know, where we go. Well, how does it impact me? And, and, and again, it's, it's, it becomes way more about us than it should be. Um, here's, here's something that, that I think is important, and maybe it's worth the price of the whole deal. Uh, and so if you get nothing else, get this. When you become interested in others, you become interesting to others. When you become interested in others, you become interesting to others. It's just the way it works. And, and there's, there's something very, very freeing in that. Humility also means, and this is a big one, I don't have to be right all the time. Humility allows you to say things like, I was wrong, and I am sorry, without having to use the conjunctive but, which negates I am sorry. You know that, right? And I've, we've talked about that at length. But if you have to go into something with I'm sorry, but, you're not really sorry. And so humility allows you to go, man, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Try that. If you've never done that, give that a whirl. You'll find that to be very freeing. And the person that you've always said but to will just be waiting like, but? No, no buts. I was wrong. I'm sorry. It's really helpful. You know what else it does? It frees you up to say this. This is a big one. This is the, I'm sorry might be the hardest for a lot of people, but I think there's another phrase that's even harder for a lot of people, uh, and, and, and it's this one. I need help. Boy, that's a toughie. And yet humility allows you to say it. So there's some things, man, The humility really, I was wrong, I'm sorry, and I need help. That all happens in relationship when you have some humility. It's very powerful stuff. It will really help you. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's a powerful, powerful thing that we have to remind ourselves all the time of what's happening. In humility, consider others better than yourself. It doesn't mean you don't care about yourself at all. It just means that you take an interest in others and then others are interested in you. That's how that works. One of those God things that's very cool. Third, 
Humility allows us to be graceful. Uh, graceful. Full of grace. And we have to be a people full of grace in order to be a part of the mission of one more. And, and see, what humility does is help us to remember our constant need for the grace of God. And, and once we're aware of our constant need for the grace of God, then it's way easier to give it to others, to extend it to others. And, and it's such an important part of the process that we have to understand it. James 4, 6 says that he gives us more grace. Oh, that's good news. That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility is where we find grace. We need it, we can receive it, and then we can extend it to others. And that's the first of these beatitudes, what it means to be poor in spirit. It's all about humility, and it's where we begin to realize that life is found in being, in relationship with God and others, loving God and loving others. That's where life is found. How do we make sure we do that every day? Be thankful for five things. That's loving God. Encourage two people. That's loving others. So we can get one more. Back to Dad. Into the kingdom. Which is our mission. Amen? Amen. We'll pick it up from there next week. If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. We appreciate you. If you need anything, call us, write us, let us know. We'll do what we can. We're going to go ahead and close here tonight with prayer. And so let's do that now. You can shut the video off please, if you haven't already. Father.